Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning and welcome to Canton Church. My name is Trevor Hyman. I'm the student and volunteer pastor here. And I am so excited and so honored to have the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Pastor Jeremy, our campus pastor, is not here today. He has the exciting opportunity of being dad in the stands, cheering on his son this weekend. His oldest son has the opportunity to play in a baseball tournament in Cooperstown, New York this week. And so they are up there having a blast. And so I'm so excited that Pastor Jeremy gets to be dad this weekend and gets to be in the stands. He misses a bunch of baseball games for his son in a weekend tournaments when he is here. But he gets to go and cheer on like crazy and do all of the fun, exciting, memory-making moments. So I'm so excited he gets to do that this week. And he'll be back with us next week, though. But here today, I am with you, and I'm so excited to continue our Summer Acts series. We have started this series the first week of June, and it's going to run through the end of July. And it's been a great series so far. If you've missed any of the weeks in your summer schedule of traveling, then I hope and I encourage you to go to our website, canchurch.com, click on media, and you can catch up all of the weeks that you have missed. And then going forward, if you miss any more weeks, you can do that. You can also go to iTunes, go to podcast and search Canton Church, and you can actually then like subscribe to our channel. And then all of the new podcasts will automatically download into your podcast. And so it's a great way to keep up with these series when you miss a week here or there. I've got to warn you, I've got to go ahead and tell you up front. I am coming off of week two of youth camp. I had high school week two weeks ago. I had middle school with over 500 middle schoolers this week. It was crazy, and it was the muddiest week of my entire life. I've never seen so much mud. And middle school boys, if you're in the room, I'm sorry, but middle school boys are nasty. They are gross. Those rooms get gross. It smelled worse than anything I've ever smelled. But I've just got to warn you, I am tired today. My voice might start going out because it has been in and out the last couple of days, but I hope that we can push through. If I've got to stop and get a drink of water every now and then, then just bear with me because it has been because I have been screaming, not in a bad way, parents, but screaming at some middle schoolers all week. But it was an incredible, incredible week. When I was 16 years old, I somehow talked my parents into letting new 16-year-old driver drive myself from my parents' home in Marietta, Georgia, to a friend of mine's house in Savannah, Georgia. I don't know how I got away with this. I don't know how they went with this, but I convinced them that I was a good enough driver. I was a smart enough teenager, which isn't ever true, but I was a smart enough teenager to make this be a really good idea. And so they went with it. I was going down, a friend of mine who we had grown up together in middle school, he moved to Savannah with his parents when his dad got a job transfer. And so I went down to spend the week with them, and it was a blast. I love going down there. But what I did in preparation for this trip is I planned everything as much as I possibly 
could. This was in the day prior to iPhones, so nobody had a GPS everywhere they went. But my parents had one of those really cool GPS systems that you could like suction cup to the windshield. You know what I'm talking about? Theirs was the TomTom. If anybody remembers the TomTom, it was an awesome one. But this was the GPS. So I borrowed their TomTom, and then I also printed out this foreign idea to anyone in the room that is just now learning to drive. I printed out printed directions from MapQuest. I don't even know if MapQuest exists anymore, bless their hearts, but I printed out MapQuest. I had my TomTom. I was trying to be as prepared for my journey as possible because I knew that I was 16-year-old. I was good enough to do this. I was going to prove my parents that I was good enough to do this. I wasn't going to get lost. I even sat prior to my trip with the TomTom GPS, and back then, I don't know if you can do it on your iPhone, but you could like actually like route the trip, and like the little arrow would do the entire trip and take all of the turns. It took me about an hour, but I watched the entire trip so that I knew exactly where I would be going. I knew how many miles per gallon my truck could get, so I mapped it, and I knew which exit I would stop for gas, where the gas station was. I'd get off, I'd turn right, and then the shell was on the left. I knew which Burger King I was going to get lunch at. It was at the same exit as the shell so that I could be efficient with my time. I knew where halfway between Macon and Savannah I would stop to use the restroom because I was going to get the large Coke at the Burger King. I planned everything out because I wanted to make sure that there were no surprises on my trip. I would love to tell you, and my wife would to correct me, I would love to tell you that I have changed in my ways of trip planning, but that's not the case. You can ask any students over the last couple of weeks that have gone on camp with me, I'm like, hey, we are not stopping. Like, we are leaving at this time. If you need to go to the bathroom, go now. We're not stopping. We're going to get there at this time. I love to have a plan when I'm going to travel. I don't like surprises. I don't like road construction that slows me down. I want to know that I'm leaving at this point. If I have to stop, this is where I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to get there at this time. Some would say I'm a little OCD about my travel schedules, but I'm okay with that because I love to have a plan. Today, we're going to talk about a story in our continuation of our Acts summer series of a trip that someone was taking. There's a man named Saul in the New Testament. Most of you are probably more familiar with him as Paul. Paul went on to be an incredible founder in the early church, an incredible person, incredible man of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he always wasn't this incredible person for God. Prior to that taking place, prior to Paul being Paul, he was Saul, and Saul was an evil man. Anybody remember this show, Dog the Bounty Hunter? Anybody, any dog fans in the room? I used to, I got some excited dog fans. Dog was a hilarious show for me to watch because he was this bounty hunter that would go out and he would hunt down people and he would like, he wasn't a policeman so he couldn't carry like a weapon, but he carried like a paintball gun and people would run and he'd start shooting. It was hilarious, but I love dog. But I kind of always pictured that Saul was someone like dog. Saul was a man who was paid by the church to go out and to hunt down Christians. He would hunt them down, he would find them, he would arrest them, and he would bring them back to the religious leaders, and they would do what they felt necessary to punish them for following this Jesus person. Saul was an evil man. He was a bad man. He was someone that if he walked into the room, 
If you were a follower of the way, a follower of Jesus, you were a little scared that Saul walked in. But Saul had a journey. Saul took a trip, and Saul probably had taken this trip one or two times at least in his life, and he probably knew how far it was and how long it would take him to get there. But this story is found in Acts chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got a smartphone, feel free to follow along. I would love for you to do so that you can make notes on your Bible, highlight things, anything like that. But we're going to start reading in verse 9 or verse 1 of Acts chapter 9 of the story of the journey that, that Saul was going to take. In verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, referring to followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. Verse 9, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul was a man on a mission. Saul was someone who knew his journey. He knew his trail. He knew his path. He knew his trip itinerary. And there was an interruption that took place on that trip. There was an interruption of his timeline. There was an interruption of his mission, of his job, of his path that he was on. And today, I want to spend the next few minutes with you talking about when God interrupts our lives. Saul had a God interruption. And I think that for us in the room, there might be moments of our lives where us, like Saul, we have God Interruption. So today we're going to break down this story of Saul on the road to Damascus and pull out five points from this story that I feel like can help us understand when God interrupts our lives and what it looks like when he does. So the first point of what it looks like when God interrupts our lives is that we are on our way somewhere. The first part of verse 3 in this story it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, Saul was going somewhere. He was on a path. Now, he was on a path to destruction, but he was on a path. He was taking action steps. And I feel like for our lives, when God is going to interrupt our lives, it happens in moments, it happens in seasons, when we are on a journey somewhere, when we are going towards a mission, when we are going towards something. And now that can be either for good or for bad. Sometimes maybe we're living our lives for ourselves and we're not following after God somewhat like Saul. Maybe we're not that bad, but we're not living for God. And there's a moment that takes place in our lives where God interrupts us. But I also think that there are moments when we are living for God and we are following after his will for our lives and we are doing what he has called us to do. And I feel like there are still moments in our lives that God will then interrupt us. But it happens in seasons. It happens in moments where we are going somewhere. If you look in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, if you know the story, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and told him to go 
and to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let my people go, and he doesn't want to, and there's all these crazy things that happen. It's a cool story in Exodus if you want to ever go read it. But then Pharaoh finally lets God's people go, and so Moses leads them out, and they're in the desert, and they spend 40 years wandering around the desert. By night, they followed a pillar of fire, and by day, they followed a cloud. An unbelievable story of a journey that these people were on. But there were moments where God would interrupt the progress, and they would stop. If you look at one in particular, God stops the people, and he sends Moses up a mountain and gives Moses the Ten Commandments, an incredible and powerful story of God laying out his vision for the people of Israel. But it happened on a journey. There was a moment on this journey for these people that God stopped them. And for our lives, it happens the same way. We're going somewhere, and God will interrupt our lives. The second thing that happens when God interrupts our lives is that he gets our attention. The second half of verse 3 says, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. I love that word. I've seen that word over the last couple of weeks over and over again as I've studied for this. That word suddenly. There was a suddenly moment that took place in the life of Saul on his journey. He was going somewhere. He was moving in a direction and God suddenly stopped him. So many times in scriptures, God does something to get someone's attention. For Paul, or for Saul, it was a bright light on a road to Damascus. For Mary, it was an appearance of an angel that said, you will give birth to the Son of God and you will name him Jesus. For Moses, like I just mentioned, it was God appearing to him in a bush that was on fire yet not burning up, saying, go and get my people. It was a suddenly moment for Elijah. It was a fire coming from heaven and burning up an altar in front of the false prophets so that God can show his power. But these happened in suddenly moments. And I think if we looked at our lives, if we looked at the trajectory of what God has taken us through and what he has done in our lives, for some of us in the room, maybe many of us in the room, we can look back in our lives and we can see our suddenly God moments. I know for myself, I remember the summer of 2007, it was between my sophomore and junior year of high school. I went to church camp just like I've been at the last couple of weeks, but I was there as a student. And I can remember the Wednesday night of that camp. We had worship and it was incredible. We had a sermon, it was amazing. But then we had an incredible time of prayer in the altars after the sermon had ended. And I can remember I had a suddenly God moment that night. I had a moment where God did something suddenly in my life. It wasn't through a burning bush. It wasn't on a road to Damascus. It wasn't through an angel appearing. But I had a suddenly God moment. And I can remember going up to my room. And I was in my cabin. And I took out a journal. And the only reason I really ever even had a journal is because it was on the packing list. It always says Bible, pen, journal. So I had a journal. <laughs> And so I took that journal out, buried down in the bottom of my bag, and I took it out, and the only thing I wrote on one page of that journal was, God, I feel like you called me into ministry tonight. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know where that'll be. But God, I will do whatever you call me to do, and I will go wherever you call me to go. That's all I wrote. That's what I put in my journal for that day. It was a suddenly God moment. It was a moment where I was on a journey, I was living my life. I was a teenager, I did dumb things, but I was living my life for God to the best of my ability. 
And I had a suddenly God moment. The third thing that happens when God interrupts our lives is that we change our posture. In verse 4, it says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You know, there are many times throughout scriptures where it talks about someone changing their posture in reverence and in worship to God. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, it says, Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. First Kings verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 54 says, When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. And then John chapter 17, verse 1 says, After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. There are these times, there are these moments where we change our posture before God. We're on a journey, a suddenly moment happens and we change our posture. I often have thought about as I've been studying for this, what if Saul hadn't done this? What if Saul didn't fall to his knees before God? What if he kind of just, I know there was the bright light, and I don't know, I wasn't there. I don't know what was taking place in this moment other than what we read in Scripture. But what if, Paul, what if Saul would have just kind of closed his eyes and put his head down and kept walking forward and walked right by what God was wanting to do? What if he would have not stopped? What if he would have not paused to let God speak into his life? And you say, well, I don't know how we would have done that. It was a bright light and God was speaking. But I think, church, sometimes in our lives, and maybe not even your life, I'll just say my life, I think sometimes we have the ability to walk by God suddenly moments. If we don't pause and if we don't reflect and we don't say, God, let me change my posture. Let me worship you for a moment. Let me kneel before you and let you speak into my heart, let you speak into my life. I think we can have the tendency to walk by right by God suddenly moments. I know in my life there have been moments where I'm in the checkout line at a grocery store and I purchase my groceries and I can see someone behind me in line that looks like they're like counting up in their head if they're going to have enough money and they're sticking things back on the shelf right there. And I have this God suddenly moment where I feel like, oh, maybe I should pay for their food. Maybe I should buy their groceries today. And I kind of put my head down and I kind of walk out the door. That couldn't have been for me. I don't pause long enough to let God do something in my life. When God is getting your attention, when God is having a suddenly moment in your heart, do you pause long enough to let Him? Do you pause to let God get your attention? The fourth thing that takes place when God interrupts our lives is that we must then get up. Verse 6, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Skip ahead to the first part of verse 8. It says, Saul got up from the ground. I think that this is the moment in our lives, in our situations of God stopping us on a journey. We have a suddenly God moment. We pause long enough to let God speak into our lives and then we must get up and go. I think we can often have the tendency of saying, God, if this is supposed to happen, 
if you're really wanting me to do this, if you're really wanting my family to take this bold step, if you're really wanting me to do this with my life, then you're going to just bring it to me and it's going to be really easy. You're just going to like make it happen in my life. I told you that in 2007, I felt that God had called me into ministry and a suddenly God moment at a youth camp. I came home from that camp and I didn't take action steps. I came home from that camp and I stuck that journal in the bottom of a drawer and I didn't do anything with it. And I was like, oh, if it's supposed to happen, then like God will like do something in my life. Like it'll just kind of happen. I won't have to do anything to do it. In fact, I even got to the place where I was allowing the enemy to convince me that what God had spoken into my life wasn't really true. He wouldn't use you. There's no way you could do that. You're not good enough. You're not qualified for that. You're just 16. You're just 17. God couldn't call someone your age to do something like that. And I didn't allow myself to get up from my moment and start moving towards the call of God on my life. At a suddenly God moment, I paused long enough to let God speak into my life, but then I didn't get up and I didn't chase it. I didn't pursue it. I didn't try to live out what God called me to. And I think that that is one of the most difficult parts of a God interrupting our life thing to move past. The moment where God calls us, the moment where God empowers us, the moment where we feel like we could move a mountain in that moment, we allow the moment to end. We allow that emotional feeling to pass. And we don't pursue anything. We don't chase anything. But what would happen if we got up? What would happen if, like Saul we had our God moment where we changed our posture. We allowed him to speak into our lives. But what if, church, then we got up and we chased it with 110% effort? There's a story in the Old Testament. It's probably my favorite Old Testament book of the Bible. It's the story of Jonah. God had a man who was a prophet of God in the Old Testament named Jonah. God called Jonah to go to a city of Nineveh. It was an evil city. It was a wicked city. God wanted Jonah to go there and speak to these people. But what did Jonah do? He didn't chase it. He didn't pursue it. In fact, he ran in the other direction. If you know the story, you know he got on a boat. The boat got into a big storm. The men threw him overboard. He got swallowed by a fish. Three days later, the great fish threw him, spit him out. It's an incredible story of not getting up and not chasing God's call on our life. And the fifth thing that takes place when God interrupts our lives, we're on a road, we're on a journey. The fifth thing that takes place is that we must persevere through hardships. Verse 8, the second half of it, and the story says, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. In verse 9, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul was on a journey. God interrupted his life. He changed his posture. God called him to something. He called him to then get up and to go. And Saul did. And when Saul got up and when Saul started moving in this new purpose for his life, this new call on his life, there were some issues that he ran into. There were some moments of his life where he said, this isn't easy. He was blind. 
I've got to imagine, and again, I wasn't there. I don't know what Saul's thought process was, but if I tr- what I try to do when I'm reading stories and when I'm studying scriptures, I try to put myself in the shoes of the characters that are going through these situations. And when I put myself in this moment of this story, he's blinded by God. I've got to think that there was probably a thought in the back of his head of getting angry towards God. God, you just called me to this. Why are you now punishing me? Why am I blind, God? Why can't I see? What are you doing to me? Why would I live for you when all of these hard things are coming against me? But what we must do, when God calls us, when God interrupts the path of our lives, is that we've one, got to know that there are going to be hardships, and two, push through them. They're going to happen. I wish that they wouldn't, and I hate when they do, But when we say, God, I am going to live for you, the enemy is going to throw everything he's got in your way. When you're living for God and God calls you to something new, when you're living for God and he interrupts your life and says, hey, I need you to do this. I want to give you a new passion. I want to give you a new thing to pursue. The enemy is going to try to convince you that's not right. God wouldn't use you. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to throw some things in your way. There's going to be some difficult times that you are going to have to overcome. When God interrupts our lives, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be simple. But I can promise you this morning, church, that it's always going to be worth it. There are going to be moments in our lives where we have God interruption I often have heard it called in a churchy word, in a churchy term, divine interruption. Where God, you're on a path and he stops you to interrupt everything that you're doing to push you in a new direction. I feel like as I've been studying and praying over this for the last couple of weeks in preparation of today, there are really two groups of people that I feel like God has really put upon my heart. And I know that not everybody is going to fit into these two groups, but I really feel like everybody will fit somewhere in the middle. The first group of people are a group of people that don't feel like they have ever had a divine interruption of God. And you're sitting in the room, and maybe you've never lived for God. And I would say, if you've never lived for God, I would, I would say that your divine interruption, your God interruption moment is the moment of saying, God, I want to live for you. It's your, it's your moment of salvation. It's you saying, God, I am sorry. For the, for, forgive me of the sins that I've committed. God, I want you to be the God of my life. Your God interruption is salvation. But there's a group of people in the room that you've been living for God. And you feel like you're just kind of in the monotony of life, just going through the motions. God, I don't really feel like you're calling me to anything specific. And if that's you in the room today, I would say that your God calling on your life is to wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I want to live for you today. God, I want to chase you and pursue you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength today. I want to be the best father. I want to be the best mother I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best wife. I want to be the best son. I want to be the best daughter. I want to be the best student. I want to be the best employee that I can be today. And you know what? That is your God calling. And then you wake up on Tuesday 
And you say, God, I want to chase you and I want to pursue you and I want to live for you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength today. I want to be the best father. I want to be the best mother. I want to be the best son. I want to be the best daughter. I want to be the best employee. I want to be the best student. I want to be the best me I can be today. And then on Wednesday, you wake up and you do the same thing. And on Thursday, you wake up and you do the same thing. That is your God call on your life to live for him and to bring him glory in everything that you do. And you keep on that road and you keep on that path, the straight and narrow path, the path towards God. And if he brings a God suddenly interruption in your life to change your path, to push you towards something else, then you pray every day until that happens, that when that happens, that if that happens, you have the courage and you have the boldness to get up and go. That you have the patience to sit and to change your posture and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And get up and chase it. And then there might be a second group of people in the room. And you're in here this morning, and as I've spoke about divine interruption, I spoke about a God encounter on your journey, you might be thinking of a moment where either one, you didn't stop long enough to listen, or two, you didn't get up and chase it. That God called you to do something specific. That God has put a dream in your heart, a passion on your heart to do something, to change that career, to do that, to make that bold jump. And like 16, 17-year-old me, you said, ah, God wouldn't use me. God couldn't use me to do that. There's no way that that is right. I didn't hear God, right? And you're in here today, and you've had divine interruption. You've had God interruption that you've ignored. And here's what I would tell you today. And again, I know that not everybody fits in those two categories, but you're maybe somewhere in the middle. But if that is you today, I want you to know that God is a God of second chances. The story of Jonah. The whale spit Jonah out. The big fish spit Jonah out. And he was back on dry land. And you know what God did? He didn't say, it's okay, buddy. You know what God did? He said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's your second chance, Jonah. I've called you to something, Jonah. I need you to live this out, Jonah. It's your God calling. It was your divine interruption on the path you were on. I want you to go there. And I want you to do this, Jonah. And he went. In summer of 2011, I was back at church camp. I wasn't there as a student. I was there as a leader. And it wasn't Wednesday night of camp. It was Monday night of camp. And we had worship. And we had the sermon. I was there as a cabin leader just hanging out with a really cool group of high schoolers trying to make sure that they didn't hurt themselves too bad that week and they were where they were supposed to be and they actually ate and they actually drank some water. I was there, I was just hanging out that week. We had an altar moment and they called for all the leaders to come down front to pray with the students. And I had a second God interrupting moment where God used me in an incredible way to minister to the hearts and the lives of the students that were at that camp. And in the back of my mind, God kind of said, you remember what I called you to back then? You remember what you said you're not good enough for? Remember what you said you can't do? I want you to do it. 
go to Nineveh, Jonah. I had a God interrupting moment. That the difference was is I came back and I didn't allow the enemy to talk me out of it. He tried, don't get me wrong. But I chased it. I like Saul, got up, and I ran towards it. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy for Saul. Wasn't easy for Jonah. But for Saul, but for Jonah, but for me, it was worth it. And I would tell you today, if you've had God interruptions in your life that you've ignored, He is a God of second chances, and of third chances, and of fourth chances, and of hundredth chances, and of thousandth chances. He doesn't give up on you. And I want to encourage you today to not give up on yourself. God has called you to greatness. You live on the path that he has set before you to be the best man or woman of God that you can be every single day. Live a life of influence. And you do that until God interrupts that and calls you to something different. And then you do that until God calls you to something different, giving 110% every single day. That is what it looks like to live a Christ-centered life. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I encourage you to speak to God. I don't want to just pray over you because I don't know where you individually are today. Maybe you've never had an interruption or maybe you've ignored an interruption or maybe you're somewhere in the middle of that. But I would encourage you that as I pray for this room, you pray for you individually, that God would reveal himself to you, that you would have the strength to live every day for him and that you would have the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to when he interrupts your life, you have the strength to say, God, I'll jump. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. For stories like Saul, God, it's a story of redemptive love of God. I thank you for stories of Jonah, for second chances, God. I pray for the people in this room that, God, they are just so desperately searching for and seeking for you to reveal new plans for life. God, I pray for the strength and the power of in them to live for you every day on the path, on the journey that you have placed them on for now. God, I pray for the people that you are revealing new things to. God, I pray for the people that you are putting divine interruptions in their lives. God, I pray, one, that they stop long enough to listen, that they pause and allow you to speak into their lives. But God, then I pray that once you are done speaking, that God, they have the strength to get up and chase it. And God, I pray for the people that have had God interruptions they kind of put their head down and they kind of slipped by or maybe they stopped long enough but they never got up and they never pursued it. God, I pray and first thank you that you are a God of second chances but God, I pray that they seek out that second chance. That God, that there's somewhere buried down inside is still that passion to do what you have called them to do. God, there's still that passion to start that ministry, to change that job, to move that family. God, whatever it might be, that you have placed passion inside of them for, God. I pray for the strength to chase it. God, I pray against the enemy saying to them, it's too late. You can't do it now. You missed your chance. God, that is not true. 
God, you love us. You've called us to greatness. God, I thank you and I love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.